Good morning to each one. Greetings in Jesus' name. This morning's topic is a little more uh, one that I'm not real thrilled about preaching, but it's something that, uh, again, is, it was, a, was an assignment. And so the topic of the morning is choosing and supporting leaders. And as you will notice, uh, it, it coincided with the announcement about Mabel Chapel. And so with Philip and Dana, Lord willing, moving to minister at Mabel Chapel, that's going to create another need. And that need must be met, or probably will be met. And that need comes from where we are, where you sit. As men and women of God, God is calling people continually to serve Him. And then He calls from those that have committed to serve Him, He calls from out of those leaders, leadership in the church. And so the challenge is, are you, are you, leadership material and that's a challenge to me as well and something that I feel I fall far short of and as we sat through the minister's um, study week there was a paper that I think Paul Miller handed out for some of you all that were there 26 characteristics of a true leader do any of y'all have this in your bible okay some do And he said, the Son of God became the servant of God to do the will of God. The Son of God became the servant of God to do the will of God. And he placed in his sermon throughout that morning where there's no cross, there's no leadership. In other words, we need to experience it first. 26 characteristics, and I'll probably refer to some of these as I go through this today. But first, I would like for you to turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 4. We see in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus entering into... I guess you could say maybe the spotlight. After John the Baptist had come, prepared prepared the way, said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And then after that, it says, The heavens were opened. This is verse 16 of chapter 3. And when he was baptized, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Wow, what a testimony right there. What a testimony of God and his Son, And Jesus submitting, the Son of God 
becoming the servant of God to do the will of God. And it talks about Jesus being led up into the wilderness, being tempted of the devil, and being and fasting forty days and forty nights. And it says, and after afterward he was unhungered, and Satan came to him, and he tempted him in all like manner as we are tempted. And yet Jesus addressed every point with Scripture. But when Jesus came back from that, he began his ministry. He left Nazareth, went to Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee, and we're going to start in verse 17 of chapter 4. And it says, And from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus began his message, began his ministry with a message. And that message was, Repent. He was carrying forth what John the Baptist had already introduced to the people. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or it is drawing near. It is coming near to each one. He had a message from God the Father, and he was sharing that message. But only one man can do so much. And I think we all recognize that because as Paula was preparing for hostess, she said, my day got all. And often as we work and we try to get so many things done, we can only do so much in the hours that God has given us. And Jesus being the Son of God, becoming the servant of God, to do the will of God was one man. And so Jesus carried that message of God, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. But again... Him being in the flesh, He could only reach so many people. Only so many people could hear that message personally from Jesus Christ. And so, many others would need to hear that message by a conveyance of what Jesus had said. And that conveyance would have to come from people that met Jesus, that experienced Jesus, that heard Jesus. And so he started calling men. He started calling men to come and follow him. And it says in verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two Uh, He saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, to me, this is fairly outstanding. And I know that we've studied this just not so long ago, but Jesus called and they responded. How about for you or for me? When Jesus calls, do we respond? Do I respond so quickly that I will leave my work in the midst of the day? That I will leave my Father to do the work? That I will just drop, shop, and run? For me, that's a little hard to do sometimes. 
And yet we see an example here of Jesus calling and these men responding. How did Jesus know who, who, who was going to be his disciples? How did he know that these men would carry this message? How did he know that these men would follow him to the end? Well, him being the all-knowing God, <clears throat> I imagine he probably foreknew. But we see that not all did continue to the end. Some found his teaching hard. Some went away. And even Judas, one of the personally picked twelve, chose to betray him. But many received the call. And many carried the message of hope and peace and joy unspeakable. But how did they carry that message unless they first experienced that message? Many shared their personal testimonies. Many shared about the miracles that they had experienced themselves or witnessed. Many uh, shared the experience of Jesus coming into their heart. Their changed lives. Their personal testimony spoke volumes to people everywhere. And it was the message that first came from God to the Son of God who became the servant of God to do the will of God. But where there's no cross, there's no leadership. I know that many, if not all of us, enjoy a good story. Because the stories convey a message. And that usually is shoe leather for us. Your personal testimony, your personal walk, your personal experience with Christ is that story. It's your story. It's the only story that you have, that you've experienced, that you can share with other people. And that experience with Jesus Christ changes people. Jesus personally called the twelve. He gave them power to cast out unclean spirits, to heal the sick, to cleanse lepers, to raise the dead, and to preach as they go. And they boldly proclaimed the gospel to the point that many, many, many suffered and many were killed for their faith in Christ. But Jesus Christ today is personally calling you. He's personally calling me to share in our own way the gospel of Jesus Christ. Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is drawing near. For each one of us, we see each, as each day goes by that the kingdom of heaven is drawing nearer and nearer. The time when Jesus will come again is getting closer and closer. Are we allowing God to work in us, to share the gospel message. One man can't do it all. One woman can't do it all. But we all can do a little for Christ as we live. We're not going to probably be able to cast out unclean spirits. Some of us probably won't be called to that. We probably will not be called to heal the sick. <clears throat> Or to raise the dead. But it's, we are called to preach as we go. And by faith, believe that Jesus Christ has the power to do many things that we talked about here. Has Christ 
made a difference in your life to the point that you are willing to share your personal testimony of what God has done for you and how He can help someone else. The experiences that you face personally, the disappointments that you have faced, the struggles that you have faced, all of these things are there for a growing experience for you personally so that you can minister to people that have some of the same struggles, same of the, some of the same needs. So has the gospel caught fire in your life? Have you experienced Jesus? Jesus said in Matthew 11, He said, Come unto me. Come unto me all that labor, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. The Son of God became the servant of God to do the will of God. That's the mission. That's for you. That's for me. Jesus had a message. He portrayed, or he shared that message with his 12 disciples. One fell away. They ordained by lot another one to take his place, Matthias. And these men went forth sharing the gospel with power. And this power has the power to change lives, to make things new again. And he says, come unto me. Romans 10, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Does it have to be across the pulpit? No. But I have a, I have a purpose. I have an ordained job to do. And that is to preach the word. But each one of us, as we experience Christ, have the same, quote, calling to preach the word. And whosoever shall call upon the name, the Lord shall, name of the Lord shall be saved. And how shall they call on him unless you speak the word? In season, when it's needed, because of your experience, because of how you can relate personally to someone that has maybe trod the same path that you trod. <clears throat> and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You have beautiful feet. As you are called of God, it says... How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of feet of peace. And so, look at your feet. You have beautiful feet because God has called you to preach the gospel of peace and to bring glad tidings of good things, of what God has done for you. God's design was for me personally to experience the gospel and then share that experience with someone else. And I am so glad that someone shared the gospel with me when I was, well, through my teen years. But when I was 17 and accepted Christ, I am so glad that someone shared the gospel. 
God's design is for us to experience Jesus, to experience the gospel, and then share that testimony as we go along life's pathway. Some here may be called to leadership. And that leadership may be more than just preaching as you go. That that call of leadership may be to you and your family personally, collectively, in the church. The Son of God became the servant of God to do the will of God. Are you up to the challenge for yourself, for your life? Because God is calling people to serve. It can't be with just one person. It has to be multiple people that experience Christ. In Acts 6 it says, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And we know this account of the deacons being chosen. And it says in verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we, the apostles, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministering of the word. And so they called these seven men to reach out physically, to minister where they were called to minister. That may be you. It may be you called to physically serve. It may be you called to bring this water glass up here. It may be you called to clean the church. But whatever we do, we need to do it because we are called of God to be a servant of God to do the will of God. Some of the qualifications that very much scare me, we're going to turn back to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. I wanted to read some of these characteristics of a true leader that our brother brought to us at the Minister's Study Week. But it says 26 characteristics of true leadership. A leader is trustworthy. A leader takes the initiative. A leader uses good judgment. A leader speaks with authority. A leader strengthens others. A leader is optimistic and enthusiastic. A leader never compromises the absolutes. A leader focuses on objectives, not the obstacles. A leader empowers by example. A leader cultivates loyalty. A leader has empathy for others. A leader keeps a clear conscience. A leader is definite and decisive. And I'm going to stop there for just now. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it's the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy. And he says here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, 
He desireth a good work. Guess what? I'm not sure why that's written here. I don't know who would desire that work. But apparently it's a good work. But then it goes on to give some qualifications and that's why it, it makes me shudder to read some of this, to see my life <clears throat> and some of the things that I have struggled with and some of the things that I don't feel like I do such a good job. But it says a bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth his own, his, ho- his own house. Let me back up. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. That's a bishop or an elder. And it talks about ministering, but it talks mainly about bishops and then the deacons. Verse 8, it says, Likewise, the deacon be grave, not double-tongued, not given to too much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And when we read that, when I read over that, I see a really high standard. I see a standard that me in my flesh, man, I tell you, I cannot get there. But Christ working in me can get me there. And it's not because of who I am or what I can do, but it is Christ working in my life, in Daryl's life, in Jonathan's life, in every other person's life. It's not you getting yourself there, but it is you allowing Christ to get you there. All of us need the standard in our life. Think about it. All of us need to be blameless. All of us need to be vigilant, to be sober, to be of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. And I understand that some have differing gifts that they do better than others. So you can't be a blanket statement for all of this for one person. But it's something we strive to attain to. We need to be a faithful representative of God, a servant of God, 
to do the will of God. We cannot be the son of God who became a servant of God to do the will of God. But we are sons and daughters of God that can be servants of God to do the will of God. And that is proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether it is by carrying the water glass, whether it's by scrubbing the toilets, whether it's by serving the dishes, whether it's by doing whatever God has called you to do, or even someone in the church has asked you to do, we need to do them for the glory of God, not for ours. And then how do we support our church leaders? Well, the biggest support that I hear from you all is prayer. In Romans 15, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may be and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And then we look in Hebrews. It says, Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will. Now I want you to see that again. I want to read that again. The God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect. Perfect. He didn't say do it yourself. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Do it yourself. You can do this. You have this gift. Do it. But he said, this God of peace, make you perfect in every good work to do His will. Becoming the servant of God to do the will of God. Make you perfect in every good work to do His will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's look at that again. It's not for my glory. It's not for your glory. It's not for anyone else's glory. That it make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing to God, To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's referring to God, not you. And we are thankful for the many times that you tell us that you're praying for us. It's through an encouragement of a card or a text or a little reminder by a word or a deed or something that you convey to us that you're remembering us. I say thank you. It is a huge blessing to know that you are praying for us and we try to pray for you. And yet, 
One man can only do so much. And I hope you understand that. Not that we don't want to pray for you. It's not, it's not that at all. It's just the matter of fact that if we prayed for everyone that's ever asked for us to pray for them daily, I'm not trying to make excuses, just be realistic, the list would be long and unending. And I'm, maybe I should pray more. That probably is where I should be. But we try to pray for you as we remember. And so I ask you, pray for us as you remember. Not that I'm on the top of your prayer list. I understand that. But we're also to remember and follow and obey. In Hebrews 13 it says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. And then skipping down to verse 17 in Hebrews 13, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. We do care. And I say that with all of my heart. We do care for you. And we care for many other people that we have met along life's pathway. Follow us as we follow Christ. Not that I have it all down pat, far from it. But follow me as I follow Christ. I remember, and I shared this just recently with some people. I remember many years ago, someone said to me, I've heard people say that I've done my best. But many times, as we look back, we can probably say, I could have done better in very many of those circumstances. And I look back at my life and I think, you know what, that is so true in my life. I have striven to do my best. But as I look back, there are so many times that I could have done so much better. And so I ask you, follow me as I follow Christ. But realize, and I recognize, listen, there's some faults in my life. There's some areas where I flounder and stumble. Don't follow me in those areas kick me in the pants or encourage me or help me along. Follow me as I follow Christ. It says in Thessalonians, know and esteem. Verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. This is not me speaking. This is God, His Word. And it's saying, comfort yourselves together. Edify one another. Know them which labor among you and esteem them highly for, in love for their work's sake. Be at peace. Among yourselves. 
and in 1 Timothy 5, says, Let the, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. <clears throat> when Mark Gaiman was here, <clears throat> he shared a thanksgiving for something. And I told him, I sent him this verse. I said, we didn't want to muzzle the ox. And he sent a smiley face back. Because God asks us to give, to help. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. Someone asked me just recently <clears throat> if I'd ever felt lonely in the ministry. And for the most part, I can say absolutely not. But there are times. And I don't say that for your pity. I say that for a fact. Because we as ministry have to minister for, to people from A to Z. And the A people not always appreciate the Z people. And I think you can probably read between the lines. And so when you minister to some people, you're neglecting other people. And when you're ministering to these people, you're neglecting other people. And so sometimes that causes maybe some misunderstanding. <clears throat> but for the most part, it has been an incredible blessing. We have met some really great people that we would not have met had I not been ordained to the ministry. It has caused me personally to dig deeper and to study more than I would otherwise to prepare to share. It has increased our friendships within our congregation because of coming to visit you, whether as a guest at your table, whether it's at council meeting, home visitation, whether it's just a drop-in, whether you drop into our place, but it has caused friendships in our congregation to grow. And even in our sister churches. Will we as leadership always get it right? No. And we've seen that. And there are times where we have to back up and say, you know what, I'm sorry. We, I, didn't make a proper decision. And sometimes we need to back up and say, I'm sorry. But we do want to be open to your counsel. We do care. And so with that, please be patient with me. Please be forbearing because I do, we do, I think I can share this with, for Daryl, Jonathan, Alan, others. We do want to do what is right. We do want to lead in a godly way. We want to minister God's Word in its wholesome, holy truthfulness. Yes, we will probably fail along the way. Pray for us. Come and saddle up beside us and help us and encourage us. But again, I say...
follow me as I follow Christ. And look past me to him. And then we need to support our leadership. How do we do that? Well, there have been many things over the years that we have received. And sometimes you have no clue who it was or who to thank or whatever. But we have received an envelope full of money. We have received many cards, many things of your thoughtfulness. And that has been a true blessing. That shows me that someone cares about me. And I know that probably you all have experienced some other things. You know, just the, the, uh, the, um, the monthly ministerial aid that you all share with us, that's a blessing. We've gotten flowers and gift certificates. Many acts of kindness, many other things that I can hardly mention. But probably the faithfulness that we see in each one of you is probably the biggest blessing. And when we see the church filled, when we see people excited about ministering to other people, when we see people coming here on Wednesday evenings and spending time in prayer instead of going fishing or working in the garden or whatever you like to do, that's a blessing. That Wednesday evening attendance is a huge blessing. So being faithful is probably one of the biggest blessings that we see. And I want you to continue to be faithful. That's my heart's desire. That's, I'm sure, all of our heart's desire is that we can be faithful. And in Jude um, Jude 24, it says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, we know that that is there, Jesus Christ, and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Are you willing to be the servant of God, to do the will, to do the, to do the will of God? Because where there's no cross, there's no leadership. God bless you.